Well, Bradley, why don't you say what we're doing today? All right. So what we are doing today is I took uh, questions from people on Instagram and just random ass questions is all I wanted. And that is more or less what we got, of course, because it's a book community. We did get a lot of book related questions from what I saw. I tried not to look at too many of them, so we would be a surprise to me as well, but Good. I'm glad you didn't cheat. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, I saw a few, but it's been it's been a few days, so I probably forgot most of them anyway, which is good. Um, and we why also... don't you introduce our question host? <laughs> our question host is my girlfriend, Victoria, which uh, some of you may know from Instagram. And if you don't do the Instagram thing, here she is <laughs> with her t- very tiny voice. Just a heads up. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> All right. So um, I guess, do you want to kick us off over there with our very first question? Okay. The first question is from Luke, who I'm sure everyone knows. And he asked, what do you guys think of the page crawlers fam? Uh, well... Since That's like the easiest question. Well, that, but since there's 12 of them, I'm not going to individualize everybody. Otherwise, that's going to take up the entire episode. So I'm just going to summarize and say they're all awesome for their various reasons. <laughs> Very general answer. Yes. I, I will also say that it was the first time I felt like I had community within the community um, from Bookstagram was like finding our like random group chat that turned into this whole thing. You know, and just having people that I can always go to for book advice or sometimes life advice. And, you know, like we're all, we all are so different and yet have certain things that we all really connect on. And I like that. Yes, definitely. It's a damn good group of people if I say so myself. Indeed. (laughs) We are. (laughs) Rick V. Reads asked... What are your top five horror movies? Ooh, horror Ooh. movies. <laughs> um, if if you have like a at least a top two over there, you can go because. Okay, so it's not really. I wouldn't even say they're my favorite, but I'm gonna go with the movies that scare me the most, mm, okay. um, or like at some point scare me the most. So like my number one is Paranormal Activity. That movie just terrifies me just beyond i have never been so scared in a viewing experience in my life (laughs) um then the ring um the idea of anybody crawling out of the television really freaks me out um then kind of the last two are more like favorites more than or the last three are more favorites as well as scary but uh poltergeist uh this really cheesy video game movie called stay alive and the Mm -hmm. lost boys i consider lost boys horror oh yeah definitely uh, well, this is going to be an ever-changing list for me. It's definitely not definitive, but not in any order. Um, because I just watched it yesterday, and it's still a damn good horror movie in general. Is I'll throw Alien on there. Um, I will say Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid and watched it way too young. Um. The original Halloween scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, so that has to go on there. Nice. 
Um, it's this is one of my favorites, and I really have been wanting to watch it lately. And I'll say Event Horizon. I know. I was just thinking. Oh, I didn't put Event Horizon on the list. <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, people give it shit, but when you look back on it, it. it you know, whatever you think of story-wise or whatnot, the horror in it is horrifying. Excellent. Yes. Um, what will my last one be? Um, you know what? It's a, it's a new one, but it's the last movie to really give me goosebumps and scare me. I'll say Hereditary for now. Yeah. There's a reason I haven't watched that yet. <laughs> it, it, like I said, it is a horror movie. Uh, just yeah you just you just have to see it it's it is intense to say the least i'm looking forward to midsummer that's the dude who did hereditary's next movie yeah that one looks more more like something i would find interesting than hereditary does so Uh, the reviews i've been reading of it said that it's kind of the same it's a very slow build and brooding and then just just goes balls to the wall the last like half hour nice yes What's next? Baker Street Shelves asked, what's your least favorite book from your favorite author? Hmm. Um, okay, well, Ash is probably going to hate me, but seeing as Stephen King is my favorite author, the only book of his that I've finished, because there's been some I've set aside with plans to come back later, but of the ones I didn't really care for that I have finished, the one that did bore me quite a bit was the girl who loved tom gordon (laughs) yeah i don't know i think i was just such a good state of mind to read that and it's like this really intense survival story which i are things that i think i don't like and then i start reading those stories i'm like oh that's so good um i'm struggling um because i can't really say that i have a king book where i'm like "Mm, i really don't care for that um where I just was like, just done, like, oh, I can't, like, I read that and I didn't like it. So I'm, I'm like trying to think of other authors I really like where I was like, mm, I don't really, well, I guess an easy one would be as a pretty avid Harry Potter fan. I hate the cursed child. Mm. I think it is complete trash. <laughs> um, like I would never actually burn a book, but I have, my brain has burned that book. I think it's <laughs> terrible. So. It actually makes me angry. I think it's part of the reason I really haven't revisited Harry Potter outside of the movies since that came out. Would you go see the play if you had the choice or no? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> but that's because I they did really cool um, practical effects. And so part of that is like the technical artistry, even though I know the story is a dumpster fire. It, it Yeah, that definitely seemed like a cash grab not that she needs it but it's like oh everybody here's a new harry potter story and by the way it's just a script but that's what's <laughs> depressing about it is like the fantastic beast stories are interesting at least like they're interesting they're new and and it's just a different side of the wizarding world like cursed child is just terrible it's just bad mm-hmm. bad choices all right what's up next we have five questions from jordan <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> Uh, okay. Longest you've gone without talking? To each there. other or in general? Uh, oh, oh, I was going to say, for me, that was it right there. <laughs> I think in general. Uh, yeah, probably just listening to that question was about the longest. Uh, you sleep? Yeah. 
Not yeah, sleeping. I mean, I guess sleeping would probably be the longest because even like I went up to a family member's cabin for like four days and I like sang and talked the whole time. So <laughs> I was up there alone. Voices fill the space or I watch movies and like yell at the television. So I don't go very long without talking, sleeping, um, basically. You know, now that I think about it, uh, my it might have been like one of my very first concerts, but it was the first concert I went to on my own. Um, it was a Tech 9 concert and was and still am a huge fan i don't really sing or recite songs with people around me but at a loud concert nobody can hear me or you know individualize me so i shouted the entire three-hour show and wound up giving myself uh, laryngitis for the next like <laughs> five days so i'll i'll say at least two days maybe mm-hmm. three because speaking with laryngitis really sucks yeah well you're usually not supposed to yeah my point exactly <laughs> So at least two days at most three. So, yeah, probably like ten hours max. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? People who don't use their turn signals. Mm, yeah, like I am that person who it if it comes in a time where it becomes like a safety issue or inconvenient, like I will be angry about it for hours, even when I am no longer driving. <laughs> Like, I have a list in my head of people who have annoyed me most. I have one time where I wrote down someone's license plate. Oh, my God. Because they cut me off. <laughs> it was a gray Volvo. <laughs> like, oh, legit. wow. I know this. It really bothers me. <laughs> and it's weird up. because I don't critique other people. Like, if I'm some in the car with someone else and they're driving, I really don't pay attention to it or critique it because it's not really impacting me as a driver. It's really only when I am the driver, I'm like, what are you doing? Everyone outside of me is the enemy. It sounds like we brought up some, uh, some Vietnam war <laughs> stories. <laughs> um, I think for me, the only thing I can think of at this moment that really does irk me and I hate being this person is grammar and spelling. I'm a huge grammar Nazi. I don't know. I just, I don't know, especially in this day and age when you have, uh, autocorrect and whatnot just i understand you can't use autocorrect for sentence structuring and whatnot but it's kind of like do you speak that way is that how you speak in your normal day because that's obviously not right yeah i can uh, understand that one yeah so that's mine i guess <laughs> that i can think <laughs> of right now while trying not to be too mean <laughs> what is your spirit animal um first i'm going to be the pc police and say i don't like use of that term (laughs) but i get the question that they're asking (laughs) oh if you have one go ahead and go because i have to think about this one i kind of i kind of do too like my instinct is always today tiger um because i really enjoy um the chinese horoscope and i'm a tiger Mm -hmm. i've always really identified that almost with although i realize i'm i just joined co-star And I am deeply, deeply Capricorn. So it makes sense that I would also enjoy the tiger. Um, I think just any cat, (laughs) you know, like I want attention when I want attention. And otherwise I'm kind of grumpy and intimidating. Very much a feline. Yeah. See, if we're going based off of like, like the Chinese calendars and whatnot, I'm, I, I'm year of the dragon and I don't think I am a dragon personally i'm definitely not fierce (laughs) like a dragon um 
I mean, one of my favorite animals or just animal groups is like, you know, monkeys and apes and whatnot. So I'll just say a monkey. I've always loved monkeys since I was a kid. So I'll just say I'm a monkey. Okay. I've always. Wait, no, I want to look up dragon and see what it says about you. Okay. I've always. (laughs) It um... does not sound like you at all. Oh god. The dragon is probably the most magnificent, stunning, and flamboyant sign of the Chinese zodiac. It is easy for you to impress others with your skills and your looks. Although it does say you're a very talented speaker and you feel comfortable on people and well it says you like to be the center of attention. Um mm. but I do think that like you are a talented speaker and I think you're very skilled, so some some, but not all of that. I'm definitely not flamboyant. Yeah, I would not describe you that way either. <laughs> well let's see, the tiger is my irresistible magnetism is something special. You're probably one of the most stunning signs of the Chinese Zodiac. It's unbelievably easy for you to charm anybody you want. Sometimes it's even a bit scary. Oh my God. (laughs) That sounds really threatening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now that I think about it. All right. So apparently I'm magnetic and manipulative. Mm. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, I agree with the magnetic. It, and now that I think about it, it does make sense about the monkey thing because we used to have a tree right outside of our house. And if my mom couldn't find me in the house, she would always know to walk outside and look up in that tree. And there I am <laughs> sitting at the canopy of it. Nice. <laughs> yes. So what are we on? Question number four from Jordan. <laughs> what is your grossest mm-hmm. habit? Mm-hmm. Grossest habit. I will give up showering if it means that if I need sleep. Like currently we had a rough week with the baby. So I did not get to take any showers this week because I have to shower at night. Um, So I haven't showered since Sunday. (laughs) Um, I guess on that note, I'll say kind of the same thing. Like if I'm already very sleepy and in a comfortable position to go to sleep, I'm like, you know what? brushing my teeth can wait till the morning <laughs> yeah so I, I brush my teeth but that's because i had a lot of dental work done so i'm like oh i paid for this i better take care of them but there are times where i'm like mm, she's asleep she could wake up at any time like it's like waiting for you know a bomb without a timer to go off so i'm like mm, do i shower right now and give up like potentially an hour and a half of sleep to like shower and take care of my hair and all that nonsense or do i just go to sleep I'm like i some weeks i just pick sleep yeah i don't blame you <laughs> I will definitely sacrifice a lot of things for the smallest amount of sleep, even though I don't have a child yet. <laughs> right. I know. Well, that's because I think I, I don't know that I was that person before this, but you know what? I don't mind it. Sleep is great. Okay. But then the question is, do you brush, still brush your teeth like first thing in the morning? Then like, Oh, I didn't do it last night. I have to do it in the morning. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if See, I'm about, if I wake up, yeah, if I wake up and I'm about to leave for work, then definitely. Otherwise, if I wake up and I'm about to have coffee, then I'll just have my coffee and then do it. <laughs> and then brush your teeth, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, then the real question is, do you floss? In the morning? In like, general. Uh, oh, in general, yeah. But if I do it at night, then there's really no point in doing it in the morning. <laughs> to me, anyway. True. I would agree. Yeah. Like I can get behind that. Especially the sleeping thing. The past few days, my work schedule has been very different for me. And Victoria and I just got done eating dinner we retired to our room she's hanging out on the chair watching tv i'm laying on the bed scrolling through my phone and then next thing i know she's standing over me telling me to take my glasses off and put my phone away because apparently i fell asleep (laughs) and didn't even realize it (laughs) so 
that's exactly what I did. I stood up, plugged my phone in, set my alarm, took my glasses off, went right back to sleep. That's how you got to do it. That was, I think, the longest it's ever taken me to wake you up. Yeah, I'm usually a very light sleeper. She said that she was standing there for quite a while trying to wake me up. Sign that it was needed. Yes. Okay, last Jordan question. One thing you wish you could unsee. Uh, Trump being elected president. It's <laughs> a really solid answer. <laughs> um, but then I would have to unsee the past, what, two years now. <laughs> it's something I saw in a movie, but I honestly don't want to say what it is because I don't want anybody else to watch this movie. Like, oh. I think it's super exploitative and terrible. And I think they took something really serious and made it like the, you know, nine tenths of this movie takes it really seriously and thinks this is really concerning. And then the last tenth is just like pornographic exploitation of a really serious problem. But I like, I wish I had never watched this movie. Uh, I'm not even going to say, I'm not going to say the movie. I'll say the gist of it. So it starts with, um, it's sort of like found footagey of these two teenage girls. And one of them is talking to someone on the internet and gets kidnapped. And then you follow her friend kind of going through the footage of her friend and then trying to figure out who it was that kidnapped this girl. And then at the end, it shows like some anonymous person posted photos of the of the friend who got kidnapped online. And then that per- same person kidnaps the friend. But like when it shows the photos that the like they shows you the photos that were posted online and like they're just not it's supposed to be showing like a 15 year old girl just so they, they took this really seriously about like internet safety and then like just went that like exploded over the line. And I was like, this was not what I thought I was getting into. This is awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like disgusting. Like I, I said something to at once, like what, ages ago on Facebook when I watched it, I was like, do not watch this movie. And of course somebody turned around and watched it and she was like, Oh my God, you were totally right about this. I was like, that's why I said, don't watch the movie. <sighs> so I wish that I could unsee that movie and that like it was just, I just hate having that image in my brain. See, that sounds like if you were saying the first, you know, nine tenths of the movie wasn't that bad. It sounds like they either didn't think they were getting their point across and were like, Oh, we got to throw this in at the end to get our point across when it sounds like they didn't need to do that. From what I read about the movie, they were intentionally bait and switching people. Oh, well, like that shock factor was on purpose. (sighs) Well, that's not cool. Yeah. It was just based on a real like subject, but not a real story per se. No, it wasn't even that. It was like everything about it was fiction, but they were kind of tackling the idea of like, do you know what your kid's doing on the internet? Like, do you know that people are doing things younger than you think they are? And then suddenly it was like, oh, but we're just going to show you this stuff. And then this horrible, horrific ending and ta-da. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Well then. Yeah, it was really awful. There's definitely some movies that, I mean, that have burned some images in my brain that I wish I couldn't see. Um, I will say the name of this movie because I watched the first one and for what it was, it was okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything special. It was more of a, that was a case of shock factor, but it was the second part of the human centipede. <laughs> uh, no, like never said, watching those. Like I said, the <laughs> those first, are images I don't need. Yeah. Like I said, the <laughs> I first, know myself enough to know that the first one wasn't like, yeah, it was kind of shocking, but it wasn't terrible. And the second one, they just had to turn it up to 11 and just, yeah, that's definitely, okay, I, I, maybe I'll change my answer and say that that's, 
I wish I could unsee that movie and get the 90 minutes of my life back. Fair enough. Okay. All right, what do we got next? Read with Amy asked, what book jump-started your love for reading? I don't know that I can answer that question because I've been reading for so long. Um, like, I don't remember not reading, not having a million books all the time. Um, I, weirdly, I think what kind of stuff, how I read now was... I found a random book in a thrift shop. Um, it's called Fifth Business by Robertson Davies, which like nobody has read this. He's a Canadian author, like old school Canadian author. And like no one's read these books, but I got really, really into it. And that's why I started buying books on Amazon. And then suddenly I'm reading like Amazon reviews and finding all these other things. And so I think that's how I started reading, you know, outside of some like YA stuff or like, mm-hmm. you know, things that like everybody read. Because basically I read like Harry Potter and classics and then I hit college and suddenly I was like, oh, this fifth business book looks interesting. And suddenly I was reading all kinds of stuff. <laughs> um, I think I talked about this in one of our previous episodes. Um, I will say when my grandma bought me, I Am Legend got me wanting to read more, although I didn't up until I got that Loot Crate box and got Ready Player One. And from then on, it was... That I, I guess I will say Ready Player One because after that is when I really got back into reading and been keeping up ever since. So that was in, oh man, 2014, 2015, something like that when that book came out. So yes, I will say Ready Player One. Nice. bookish asked is there a Stephen King book you really couldn't get into how how in danger are we going to be if we answer that question <laughs> I know right um, well okay I will say that I did stop at the I probably did stop at the wrong time of Christine because I got three quarters of the way through and just to me nothing had happened yet so I stopped with the intention of going back and I still haven't um Man, that is really hard because most of them I've finished at some point. I remember starting eleven twenty two sixty three and getting about halfway through and stopping, but then I came back and wish I hadn't stopped. So, um, uh, so far I have two that I've stopped. One really I was just like not in the mood for, and that was the Eyes of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not what I was interested in at the time. Uh, but the one where I'm like I struggled to get into it. Uh, which I really I need to finish before the next season of Castle Rock is Misery, mm, I, and I know people really love that book, but I just I don't know it just makes me really claustrophobic. Like I just didn't. Mm. It felt like suffering to read it, and like even though I can read stuff where I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable or terrible, or I'm feeling secondhand embarrassment or whatever. Like this was just like I felt like I was, couldn't breathe while I was reading it. I really do like that book. I will say though the literal chapters of the misery books that Paul Sheldon writes are just, they're so boring. You were, you would think that Stephen (laughs) King, he would kind of inject something into it and no, it's just a very, no, but I think that's the point though. Like at (sighs) least as far as I got into misery is like, Paul is so bored writing about misery that like, of course the chapter shouldn't be interesting. Mm. Like he's bored. 
Yeah. You know, it's bored. They should be boring, but I, I don't know. There's something about where I was just like, I started, I got like pro- probably a decent way into it and I'm just not feeling it. So I'll circle back to it someday. Um, once there's a, a a release date for Castle Rock that season two that will probably make me read it, but I would have to say like the book I haven't enjoyed is Misery. Yeah, because this next season is going to be mm-hmm. all Annie centered, right? Like a prequel to Misery. Yeah, 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 Annie and her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say your first read through. Yes, you probably should read those Misery chapters, but if you're like me and do love the book and reread reread it, I'm definitely going to skip over the. Misery Chastain chapters because they're just gone. <laughs> yeah. Brittany Reed's books asked, if you could only listen to one album for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm. Um, do you have one? Because I have... I think I have uh, one. It, but it, it's hard. Like, two things sort of come to mind. One is an album and one is like, well, I would just do like this, the collection of greatest hits because I could go on forever. Yeah. Um, from a collection standpoint, like greatest hits queen, obviously. There you go. Um, cause there's just so much variety and stories and weirdness that I could, I could get into that. Like you just imagine queen now, like they would be the people who would like, you know, similar to Beyonce and like drop the concept album where there's like a movie and the music and something else, you know, like that would just totally be, that would totally be that, that vibe. Yeah. That Um, that would be really cool. Otherwise going with sort of my first, the first thing that flared into my head was Arctic Monkeys AM. Hmm. I am not, I mean, I know who they are, but I haven't listened to enough to form an opinion of them yet yeah well it's weird because like i like their other stuff but i love that album like the difference between like and love i like generally arctic monkeys but i love that album specifically Mm -hmm. that's cool when that happens um well for me i think i'll just say my just favorite album of all time um which is uh He's a rapper who goes by the name of Lupe Fiasco. His second album, The Cool. Um, I will say that for personal reasons, just because, uh, well, right in the middle or right in the beginning of him making that album, he had a bunch of bad stuff happen to him. Um, His best friend went to jail for 44 years for gun charges. That's kind of on that guy. Nobody can really feel bad for him. That's on him. But nonetheless, your best friend going away for 44 years is probably got to take a toll on you. Yeah. Um, and his dad passed away at the same time. Mm. So the album, I mean, he's not like a, a darker rapper, but the kind of tone of the album took a darker <laughs> turn. And at that same time when that album came out, um, I moved from California to Washington when I didn't want to. So I already wasn't in a good state of mind. And then, um, about, uh, two or three weeks after that album came out um back at home this is gonna be very terrible but um a friend of mine who was also engaged to my brother-in-law was horribly murdered um and that put me in a dark spot and just even though that album kind of has a bad story tied to it it still kind of helps me in dark times because it wound up doing for him for Lupe Fiasco wound up doing really well and 
you know, he said he still has fond memories of it and it brought him out of the dark place and just kind of does the same for me. Yeah. I mean, we, music is really therapeutic and context matters too. Like we, um, the strongest thing that's tied to memory is smell, but I think sound really gets in there too, because there are so many things where you listen to a song and immediately you're like, Oh, I'm in a whole other place or, you know, you can process through emotions. And I think that's really important. So like, yeah, that is a really sad story. But at the same time, like the point of you telling it is that you got through it. Yeah. And it's still, I mean, it's still, I can still play it from an enjoyment, uh, you know, an enjoyment <laughs> perspective. And also if I'm feeling down in a dark place, I can listen to it and it'll help out in that way too. Cause it's, it's such a really good album. If you like, um, I mean, if you like hip hop in general, but you also, you like very, very smart lyricism. Um, he is probably one of the best like at writing lyrics good to know yes what's up um, next the next one is kind of a multi-part and it's cut off here oh wow okay well it's from ivy lost inside pages and she asks how long have you been a constant reader okay uh well you said it's multi-part so i guess we'll go with that one first yeah um so how long have we been a constant reader uh i uh, probably around the same time i read ready player one because i think the next book i went to after that was the shining and then that was a pretty good kickstart is the shining so around the same time for me as ready player one so whatever that was 2014 2015 ish uh for me i'd say about 2008 um, I borrowed Everything's Eventual from a relative and I got really into it. And the thing is I had tried to read Stephen King books before it and it really, I don't know, I just couldn't connect at that point in time, but I started reading his short story collection. So I probably read more of those, um, by the time I started reading Stephen King novels. Um, but I would say probably the summer of 2012, yeah, 2012 was the first time I read a Stephen King novel. Um, and I read From Buick 8 and then Salem's Lot. And I was like, okay, I'm officially a Stephen <laughs> King person now. Not just his short stories. So that's probably what I would say is more like 2012. Definitely Salem's Lot, that's for sure. Salem's Lot is so good. Yeah. Still haven't read From a Buick 8. <laughs> it's been on my list, but I've heard very mixed things. Yeah, look, having read his other stuff now, I get why people don't like it, but I actually really enjoyed it. Like, I liked the mystery. Well, okay, here's the other thing, though. I am deeply in love with Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> I know, I know Papa Steve doesn't like it. I know he's not proud of it, but I love it. It's so fun. anytime he writes stories about weird stuff with cars, like, I'm 100% there. And I loved Maximum Overdrive before I knew it had anything to do with Stephen King. I saw that. That was probably movie saw when I was way too young. I was probably like seven or eight. It was on like late night TV. And I just loved it. Like deeply, deeply love it. To this day, I probably watch it at least twice a year. Um, oh man, it's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. It was the first thing I ever bought on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Oh, wow. Like on the, when they started doing video streaming, I was like maximum overdrive purchased. Um, <laughs> so anytime he does kind of weird stuff with cars, I'm into it, which is surprising. I haven't read Christine yet, but I almost feel like I'm saving it to like really savor the experience. Yeah. 
What was the other part of this question? Favorite authors? Favorite authors? Um, well, I guess just the real quick gamut. Uh, obviously, Stephen King for me. Um, Joe Hill. Neil Gaiman. Dennis Lehane. And I'm just going to do a top five in no order, except Stephen King's number one. Uh, I guess to round it out, I'll say Cormac McCarthy. Okay, so I'm trying to think of more like my auto-buy people, and I read a very weird mix. So, uh, like Stephen King, obviously. Um, Paul Tremblay, like any book he does, I'm going to buy it. Um, <laughs> Kirsten White, uh, she's a, a YA author, but she's like, she does a lot of retellings and reimaginings of stories and just in the most badass ways. I'm 100% on board with anything she does. Uh, Victoria Schwab also goes by V.E., uh, so it's like your darker shade of magic and her and her books um again sort of like really just badassery that i'm really into and then um who else is kind of up there um i'm trying to think like auto buy people where i'm like yes i will always buy their book um <laughs> Actually, I'm probably going to say Kendra Blake, which is another YA author, but she wrote a horror duology that is probably one of my favorite I've ever read. Um, it's Anna Dressed in Blood. Super good, just haunted house and then beyond mythology that I am I still just adore to this day. And she's done other series that are always just like really brutal for being kind of aimed towards the young adult audience. I'd almost call her new adult than young adult, and uh, they're just fun to read. I already like the title of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I have actually paperback copies. I was going to do a giveaway and I just keep forgetting to do it. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> favorite movies? Oh god. Um I mean, I do have I do have a favorite movie, but I guess I'll do I'll try my best to do a top 5, although like any top lists it's going to be okay what's your favorite movie like what's oh, fa- your favorite movie oh favorite movie hands down i'll just I'll, i always say is pulp fiction okay um, what else is on there uh let's see i'm just gonna think of a few that first one looking at my mind um one flew over the cuckoo's nest is on there um as good as it gets with jack nicholson is on there that's two jack nicholson movies um I know Crash used to be on there, um, but I think it's just because I watched it a lot when it first came out. Now it might be kicked off my top five, <laughs> but it is still a good movie, even though it gets a lot of shit. Um, damn, I think that's all I can think of for right now because there's way too many. <laughs> I know I'm really, I'm really struggling. I'm trying to think of what are the things that I watch all the time. Yeah. Um obviously like the Lord of the Rings, the original trilogy, um, just phenomenal movies. I have watched them, the extended editions, many, 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 many times. (laughs) Like when I'm like, I don't know what to watch, put it on Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's definitely one of those things. The lost boys. Um, as I said before, I, I love that movie. Um, I'm super obsessed with it. Um, gosh, what else is on there? I don't know. I like lots of weird stuff. Um, oh, Moana. I have to say, like, I'm obsessed with Moana. <laughs> uh, I cause like, I, there's something about the movie that's like really empowering and emotional. Like, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. That movie has the right song. So I'm definitely into that. Um, right. The Goonies uh, yes. and Hot Fuzz. How did I not say Hot Fuzz right away? Hot Fuzz oh, is like man. my, I, 
there are times where I don't feel this way, but Hot Fuzz is probably one of my my all time favorite movie. Movies or, or um, comedies? Movie, movie. like movie. Okay. Hot Fuzz is just up there for me, and I couldn't even really tell you what's like what it is about it. But uh, when I was in uh, when I was going through really bad insomnia, Hot Fuzz was one of the movies that could like really just chill me out, calm me down, and I just like enjoy myself, feel good about the world, and could go to sleep. Yeah. So. Even yeah, it's, really, I really love Half Us. Even though it's kind of dark, it still has such a fun atmosphere around it. Yeah, and just the casting is so good. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole cast. I mean, even beyond, you know, Peg and Frost, like, the rest of the cast is fantastic. Um, I think also as I, the more I view it, the more I love the Andes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I think, okay, I forgot about this one. I think Jurassic Park has to be on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still get my mom was like really adamantly against me watching Jurassic Park when I was little and it came out. And so I told I watched it a lot. And so I tell her I just have to make up for all the viewings I didn't get to have as a child. <laughs> I still hold it against her. It's been like, you know, 20 some years. I saw that way too young and it scarred me on dinosaurs or scared, scarred me. on What? Yeah. Just if I walk into a <clears throat> like a exhibit and it's got a, you know, life size fake T-Rex in there, I don't think I'll enter the room. <laughs> No, see, that wasn't the kind of stuff that scared me. I think she made the wrong choice not letting me see it when I was little. But I'm also, I I wasn't, still am, a repeat viewing person. Like, I'll get in a mood for a movie and I'll watch it, like, two or three times. In a row? Yeah. Oh, wow. Or, like, you know, across, like, a week or something. I'll be like, oh, okay. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch this again. Or it's just, you know, we won't, I won't know what to watch. And I need to put something on background noise. I'm like, mm, Jurassic Park. So, that one's up there, too. Yeah, definitely. There's way too many. I know movies are good, <laughs> especially being a movie person and people like yeah. And I'll admit I'm not hard to entertain. Like um, I it's not hard for me to be like mm, that was entertaining. Like you know, well did it touch me emotionally? Is it going to stick with me forever? No, but I'm I'm a person who like I'm going to sit down in front of a screen and be told a story and I'm going to enjoy myself. Yeah, there's definitely fast food movies that you have fun while you watch them, but afterwards, eh, you know. Yeah, for sure. She also asked your favorite music. Oh, God. <laughs> um, well, okay, well, I'll just say my favorite genre mm-hmm. of music is um, primarily hip-hop music, but I do listen to everything. Uh, everything except I, I don't listen to country whatsoever. Um, uh, that's another hard uh- one. I am either like deep into alternative rock or I listen to like straight up pop music. Um, I really enjoy pop. Um, like I think, and actually, you know, the person who really converted me on this cause it happened later in my life was Harry Styles. Um, mm. because I actually really liked his album when it came out and he did an interview where he talked about, you know, why do we knock down the things that teenage girls like? Because I mean, teenage girls were the first people to like the Beatles and it made me really rethink pop as a genre and things if you don't just listen to like the top 40 stuff like what other people are doing that's branded and and genre assigned as pop music is interesting like lyrically and electronically and you know like i anybody who tells me that harry styles wrote a bad first album is just dumb like it's it's a good album it's well done it's got a lot of variety of sound he pulled in very different music it's lyrically good like i stand by it and then of course i started listening to one direction 
<laughs> I don't know how that happened to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm also really obsessed with this British boy band called the Vamps. Like, I love them. They're they're the they're the desktop on my computer right now. <laughs> but and so it's just I got real real deep into pop music, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna own this. But other than that, it's like I either listen to super pop music or like angsty angsty rock. Mm. But see, the thing with like One Direction and Harry Styles is. One uh, I'm not trying to say this in a bad way, but like One Direction is more or less a product that was somebody put them together, wrote the songs for them, told them what to say, how to sing it, and whatnot. Whereas Harry Styles in the did, early stuff, I would say that is true. Yeah, and like Harry Styles doing it himself is how he wants it, how he wants it to sound, what he wants to say, and you know, so he's diff- I feel like as a solo artist, you know, he had a lot more creative freedom hopefully anyway well i also get up to now horn i and i like both their albums a lot i saw both of them live on their tours for their albums and got no regrets (laughs) yeah i almost went to see nile twice um and he was an excellent live performer because he's very his music is very raw whereas harry's is still very stylized and you know um complicated like nile really stripped down was like all piano and guitar and it was really nice Mm, so yeah Uh, other than, I mean, other than like my main people I listen to hip hop wise, I think outside of hip hop, my probably most listened to artist would be Linkin Park, which classic. They they get a lot of shit for how their sound is so different after their first two albums. Which I'm a huge Linkin Park fan, and I do love those first two albums. But honestly, I love all their albums. I, I, I love don't all care. Their Artists too. are meant to evolve. It, thank you. Exactly. That was what I was going to say. And honestly, I think those first two, maybe not my least favorite albums by them, but is not in my top two. Um, actually, I think my favorite album by them is A Thousand Sons. To me, that is like they did a perfect blend of how they wanted their rock to sound, how they wanted their hip hop aspect to sound, and just yeah. So they they get way too much shit and. And I really miss Chester. <laughs> Don't y'all. Yes. Don't y'all. That was probably the first concert I went to as like a teenager. I got tickets to Lincoln Park for my birthday um, when I was, I think when I turned 15. And I went with a friend in high school and it was really awesome. It was a really good show. I can't remember when he passed away. I think it was either in June or July. Um, but a couple months prior. Before that, um, they announced that Lincoln Park was coming to a city near me, like a 20-minute drive, and I was definitely going to go. I was ready to buy the tickets, and then, yeah, tragically, Chester passed, and I never got to see them, so. I'm sorry. Me too. No, actually, I, uh, at one point in my life, decided I, tried, I was going to try my hand at starting a YouTube channel. And like the second video um, I was gonna make was when he um, when he passed, and uh, I just did a video about that and about that show. And because I remember uh, he like stopped in the middle of a song and was like, "Dude, uh, a girl crowd surfing is not a reason to grow up her. Cut it out." And like oh, wow. gave a whole little speech about like respecting each other and all that. And I was like, "Dude, these people <laughs> have like that earned my love forever." Yeah, for the whole band, you know the the point of like stopping and being like, be nice to each other, geez, <laughs> you know, yeah, or, like no be kidding. respectful of one another's bodies, like especially then because that was like, God, two thousand two, 
Like that was not a conversation we were having on the mainstream, let alone in in a community like that. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like he was such a good person. Yes, definitely. So we gotta stop talking about this, or I'm gonna cry. I, I know, I know. I was I was gonna continue on with another story, but I was like, you know what? We need to move on. Mm-hmm. So there's like, uh, ew! I said like. <laughs> I'm sure we say um a lot, so it's okay to say like. (laughs) I'm sure I've said that too. Naomi asked about seven or eight questions. Naomi, as in? (laughs) You're going to make me say it. Yes. Naomi, a.k.a. Book Nerd with Lipstick. Oh, we love her. (laughs) Uh, So her first question is, what's your biggest bookstagram struggles? mine other than taking pictures would be I feel like I always have to my caption has to pertain to that book specifically um, when really it can just be not filler not the, not the picture be filler but the picture can just be anything I want it to be and I can talk about whatever I want to talk about but I still feel like I have to have some the picture has to have some sort of significance to the caption when it doesn't, and I need to just do what the hell I want. Yeah, I understand that one. I get that. I think my struggle right now is that having moved, I don't have a good setup to take pictures right now. So everything's been kind of random. Like it's I, my posting is not very good at the moment because I don't like haven't found the good spots in my yard yet. I don't have a good setup in the house, and so I'm just kind of struggling like to find the angles and the light in a new space. Um, that's really frustrating me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Next, she asked, where would you go if you had to travel to one last place? Oh, God, a last place? Uh, I mean, the top of my bucket list for traveling is going to be Australia. So I would just say Australia because that's the number one place I want to travel to. And if someone told me, you get to travel to one more place and that's it. Then I will say Australia. Okay. I'm torn. Um, <laughs> ah, um, cause I, there's lots of places I want to travel. And I also have to assume that if I'm going to go one, one last place, I'm dragging my husband along with me. So, <laughs> you know, what's a place that we would enjoy the most together? Um, I'd probably say Iceland, but if it was just me, I'd say Prague. Ooh, I don't know why good. I was just really obsessed with Prague and I've always wanted to go there. So that's a good one. Yeah. Um, which era would you go to <laughs> if you traveled in time? I, I I mean I've always said I would like to go to like the 30s or something like that, but then not that it's entirely better in present day, but. You know, you had the prohibition on and you had um, god-awful racism. Not that we don't have that now, but they also had the whole segregation thing, which is not cool, obviously. Just, But now, as lame as everyone says it was, because I was born in the 80s, I'll just say the 80s. 
I I don't think I would. I mean, the the more I come to know about the world in the past, I'm like, mm, I would not want to go back to any time, especially like if I'm traveling in my own body, like I'm anywhere I go, I'm just subjugated and in danger yeah. um, prior to like 1970 something, you know, like yeah. the disadvantage is just so significant. I mean, we only, you know, we've only recently outlawed, you know, or treated domestic violence seriously since the nineties. So, you know, anywhere I go, I'm in danger. Um, I think if I could go back in my own timeline though, like within my, within my own life, I'd probably go back to the early two thousands. And, and if I was armed with the knowledge I have now, it'd be so fascinating to see how the world plays out. Um, oh, you know, like I would not that I'd want to relive nine 11 cause I wouldn't, but just the, the post nine 11 world and how much things have changed armed with the knowledge I have now would be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Everyone says they would like to redo high school and middle school. And I'm definitely one of those because I didn't do anything in high school or middle school. <laughs> so I would definitely like to go back and do, you know, and do it to my full potential. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that one. Yeah. What's your favorite TV show? Um, I always have to separate these into like, not necessarily comedy and drama, but like a, I always separate into a sitcom and, you know, a different type of show. Like, as I would say, my favorite sitcom is probably (laughs) Frasier and just regular TV show is uh, Breaking Bad. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, overall? <laughs> overall. All right. Um, like, I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine the way my husband watches The Office. Like, I'm never really not watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. At some point, it comes on. Um, or I just, you know, pick an episode. I'm like, oh, I like this one. I just watch it. Um, it just, it makes me laugh, but it does, it tackles good storylines. Like, it gets, it balances both serious and hilarious. Yeah. I I started watching it when it first started airing, and then <clears> just kind of <throat> fell off for some reason. Um, and then started it over and kind of the same thing. I just haven't stuck with it. Not that I don't like it. I just, I have so much stuff to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I will say I was not a big Andy Samberg person. And then we just kind of decided like, Hey, this show looks funny. And we started watching it when it was on television, which is crazy to think about because everything is through streaming now. And we actually made a point of watching it every week. I think through the first two seasons and then we life got kind of crazy. We missed it and then caught up. And I was like, I love this show so much. Yeah. When it got like, I was one of those people who, when it got canceled, I was furious, like tweeting and posting and like, rah, and then it got picked back up and I was like, we're saved. So (laughs) picked back up like 12 hours later. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, NBC did it. I mean, that's the home of Mike Schur. They had to. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing, though, is I will pretty much give anything Mike Schur creates a try. I mean, The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, like he's Parks and Rec. Like he's he's got a sense he's got a kind of humor that I really can relate to and not feel always secondhand embarrassment. I'll probably never forgive him if he had anything to do with Scott's tots, but <laughs> Jesus, I didn't realize he's done so many All of those those iconic shows. Yeah. 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 Genius. <laughs> How about your favorite TV show as a kid? Um, well, I'll say the first thing that came to my mind, which is probably the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Fresh Prince and Family Matters mm-hmm. for sure. Are You Afraid of the Dark? 
Yeah. I would like race home from school every day. I get I get those little little Debbie Nutter butters. Like I had my Nutter butter and a glass of milk, and I'd watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes, I, I was definitely a Nickelodeon kid, and yeah, I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark and Doug Rocco's Modern Life, all that stuff. Definitely, yep. a, definitely a Nicktoon person. That's for sure. An underrated musical artist. Hmm. Oh, there's so many again. Um, I'll go with somebody that I started listening to recently. Um, I feel like he's fairly well known, but strangely doesn't have a whole lot of content out, which is, I guess, you know, says a lot about him. The fact that he is fairly well known, but doesn't have very many, uh, songs out there. Um, his name is Rex Orange County. Um, I really like him a lot. Very, uh, has a very unique sound and is a damn good singer. Um, okay. I'm going to struggle with this one. Cause there was an artist that I would always say that about. And then recently he's like exploded in the UK. Um, and so it would have been Louis Capaldi. Um, he's a singer. Uh, he's <laughs> the best way to describe Louis Capaldi's music is after you listen to any of his songs, you just want to ask like, dude, who hurt you? Oh. Um, like it just makes you sad, but I think, cause that's like a lot of artists that I like are big in the UK and not in the U S. So I'd say most underrated in the U S is a band called Circa waves. I just mm. adore them. Like they're, they just got me through some spaces, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just appreciate them a ton. I've heard of them, but never listened um, to them. I don't, I'm trying to think like what other, any other artists that I super like, but, um, yeah. I think I, you know, I'll stick with that, but Circa Waves, I love them a lot. Oh, also, Oh Wonder. They are just like, I don't know. They're cute. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> they're cute. <laughs> Sometimes it's all you need. Yeah. Anybody else on there? Nope. Uh, All right. This. Hmm. I'm not sure what she meant to put for this question. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be an unpopular book opinion or an unpopular bookish opinion. I guess it's kind of the same. Um. I don't really have any right now. Like when I think about it, I'm like, mm, I don't think there's anything too controversial that I feel about any book right now. I will say that I, not all the time, I guess stereotypical. Sometimes I do judge a book by its cover. Like if I'm browsing at Barnes and Noble and I'll see a, a spine of a book, I'm like, Oh man, that title sounds really good. And I'll pull it out and look and like, Oh, okay. But that cover is terrible and put it back. <laughs> cause, <laughs> cause sometimes it seems like it might be, a little representative too representative of the book. And it's like, man, if the cover is this bad, I can only imagine what the inside is like. And yeah, I probably shouldn't do that, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think I really have any controversial opinions right now that I can think of off the top of my head where I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't say this. Like, yeah. I mean, I think my most controversial one right now I've already said, which is like, I'm not, wasn't a big fan of ministry. I've temporarily DNF'd it. <laughs> Uh, this may not be unpopular, um, but James Patterson's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems 50-50. He's, he's the highest selling author of all time for a reason. 
it has to be anyway. <laughs> Overrated. Yeah. But here's the thing is really interesting. I was just talking to, um, I want to say Dark Nutmeg is her username, um, about this, is that he started this like Jimmy Patterson imprint where it's like he's sort of the, the publisher. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that all of the things he's picked up are like women. Like he's promoting women authors telling these stories. I'm like, that's so interesting to me. That is not a direction I thought he would go in. But we're talking like not just female authors, but all of the main characters are women. Well, that's cool. At least hopefully the content is good. At least has been yeah. Well like anyway. the um the first one that came out was Carrie Maniscalco's Stalking Jack the Ripper. I love that series. The last one's coming out in the fall, and I'm really excited about it. So yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. It's good that he is a narrator. He like way overbrands the books. That's what we were talking about recently. It was like his. It's just Jimmy books and Jimmy Patterson like everywhere. Oh God. <laughs> but but at least he is actually picking good books maybe he can learn a thing or two from his proteges (laughs) he doesn't even write his books anymore no probably i have been wanting to uh at least give the first alex cross novel yeah um if i ever do i don't know it may it may be because i have read everything i own which will probably never happen so (laughs) (laughs) Naomi had one more question, but you didn't send that one to me. Remember? Oh, that's right. Naomi asked um, what we love about uh, read-alongs, or like why we love doing read-alongs. Um, you know what? For me, anyways, most of the time, it's not even for the book itself. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just the again with the community. You get you get placed into a small group of people and kind of like what happened with um you and i they just sometimes you just those people stick with you and yeah you make those connections and that you wouldn't have made otherwise through just a you know a big community uh reading it and talking to it but when you narrow it down you know you really make those connections and yeah the people it's fun yeah i would definitely say that's part of it too and it keeps me motivated um you know and it'd be really easy sometimes to just throw off a book and be like nope you're gonna do this um i think that's why i'm finally getting through the dark tower it's because even though i'm not like in a chat or anything like i don't know i i'm a person who's motivated by like i don't want to let somebody else down Mm, yeah (laughs) um so for me it's like oh nope i gotta keep it going because the group because i said i would do this and i gotta follow through um so that's a big part of it but yeah i i just think it's fun to talk to people like uh i did a read along for Dune, um, led by Red Star Reviews, and then we all watched the movie together too, the the David Lynch one. Oh, and man. that was probably one of the funniest chats I've ever been part of because we were just like it's not that we weren't enjoying ourselves. It's not that the movie isn't pretty cool, but like we were just like tearing stuff down and be like, What are you doing? Like we were just <laughs> ripping on the characters' choices, like the movie, it was great. Um, that was so much fun of like you all the chat connected so well. The chat was like, Okay, at this time across all these time zones, we're gonna watch the movie. Oh wow. And we that's did and it was cool. hilarious. Yeah, that's it was a really cool. good time. So yeah, like you just connect people differently. Um, I think my my it chat group was pretty good too. I got to know a lot of different people out of that one. Yeah. Levi asked your top two favorite books. Okay, well I'll say it. Um, 
I mean, my all-time favorite book is Nosferatu, so I guess I'll say It and Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, it and A Wrinkle in Time. I don't think I've read A Wrinkle in Time since I was in elementary school, and I remember not liking it, but also I wasn't a reader at that time, so I probably need to revisit it. It was one I of mean, it definitely is a, a kid so. book, for sure. Um, and, I, and I also know that it's not for everybody, but there, there's just messages about it that I I like. I really like A Wrinkle in Time. Okay. Excuse me. Tracy asked, what is a book you hated at first, but now you love, love, love? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. That's a good question. I'm trying to think of a book that I. Oh man, that's hard because I don't think I give. Books second chances. Yeah, that I have finished and I'm like, you know what? Didn't care for this. And that's kind of it. I don't know if I. There's not enough time to go back and reread a bad book to me. Um. Yeah, I honestly don't think I have one because I don't think I go back to. Books I hate. I'm not going to say love, love, love. But the drawing of the three. Oh man. I was like, oh, this book is such a slog. Like I did not enjoy it. But then the more like I talk about it and I think about it, I'm like, okay, I appreciate, I like, I, I appreciate this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if I would go back and read it again, I think I would enjoy it a lot more having just more context for the characters. Yeah. See, that was me. The first time I read it, I mean, it was really different from the first book. Anyone who's read at least the first two dark tower books will know it's, vastly different but even though i did appreciate the how different it was yeah there did come a point where i was kind of like yeah this needs to get moving but then i read it a second time it was just like holy shit this it, this book is just non-stop tension and it just keeps ramping up until the very end yeah and i was just afraid the tension was not going to go anywhere because i knew it was part of a series um and so i think that's where my frustration came from as well but now i look back and i see all these pieces and all these things that you need to experience in that book in order to understand them later, you know? Yeah. And, you know, other than the third one ending with a cliffhanger, more or less they, I mean, yeah, you can't look at them all as standalone stories. Like you can't just pick one and read it, but they all have self-contained stories that end, but, you know, are surrounded by a much bigger story. Mm Mm-hmm. Lisa over at United Cakedom asked your opinions on romance novels. Are they too cliche? Uh, well, I don't think I've ever read a <laughs> straight up. Oh, yes, Bradley, if we would answer this question. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever read a straight up romance novel. I've read novels with romance in them, but um, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're all probably cheesy and terrible. I'm sure there are some really good ones uh, you know i can't just say they're all bad but uh me personally i not that i don't like romance i just that's not gonna be the first choice i go to when i want to read a book is a full-on romance novel so i mean i think some romance novels are cliche but i i think also the people who are doing who are really successful and just keep writing them and turning them out like they find something different and they you create a good character, you can have your story bleak cliche, and that's okay. Um, you know, because I think 
we go in part of the reason genre exists is because we go in with expectations. So a romance novel, we expect certain things to happen. I don't see why there's anything wrong with that. Um, so I would say, yeah, there's some romance novels that are like, oh, this is cliche and terrible, or it's just bad writing. But I don't, I don't think there's anything, you know, I like romance novels. I've read plenty. Um, they're fun. It's fun sometimes, you know, and um, the thing that surprised me the most was there's an author who writes YA contemporary romance. That is not two genres together that I ever thought I would enjoy reading. And I, I love them. They're yeah. energetic and fun and cute. And like, rom- especially as a girl, like romance is fun. It makes me feel good. So I think romance novels are great. And I'm I'm sure a lot of the authors who that's all they write and each one sells a bajillion copies, I'm sure that they probably know they have an audience and they just stick to it because maybe not entirely because it makes them money, but also, you know, might just be easy to them and that's just what they do that's their job is to write these books for this audience <laughs> yeah for sure that seems like more of a suggestion than a question mm-hmm. um that sounds about right this is i guess this is more of a suggestion for a new episode hmm? no read it Mm, maybe so um okay i thought this was like a direct question but um rod suggested yeah rod suggested an episode on discovering new authors um i assumed he was asking oh new horror uh, i thought he said new horror authors an episode about the new voices of horror would be cool oh i love discovering new authors Hmm. We'll take that under consideration. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I feel like the up-and-coming people that, at least that I read, are maybe, if not well-established, are already prolific, like Keelan Patrick Burke. Um, mm. Like, you know, he, I mean, yeah, he may not be on the New York Times bestseller list, but, you know, damn if he doesn't have an audience and a big body of work. Yeah, I think that's something we'd have to do our homework on if we were going to talk about. Yeah, that does sound like fun, though, because mm-hmm. there's definitely quite a few out there, that's for sure, that we already read. So. Okay, so. Do we have many more gonna... left? Yeah, one last question. Oh, we're on the it last one, then. comes from Natalie Bluebird. She oh, boy. Asks, <laughs> <laughs> she asks, what British foods do you want to try? That was much more tame than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny because I think the British food I want to try most, I can definitely make here. And it's not even, I don't want to say it's not anything special, but like I'll, I'll say a full English breakfast, which is funny because there's almost nothing different that, you know, you can get here than you can get over there. But I always see people eating full English breakfasts and they just look so amazing. Uh, mine has to do with a lot with like brand of things that you can only get in the UK. Um, I will say one of the things I wanted to try for the longest time was Nando's and now they have them in Chicago. So they were delicious. I ate there every chance I had, um, mm. which is funny because Nando's is actually South African, but it's very popular in the UK. Um, I want a sausage roll. <laughs> like 
there's I don't even know there's a brand too and I can't even think of what the store is anymore but I want that and I really want a Jaffa cake oh um, Jaffa cakes yeah right like any of like the little like you know for us like cookies or you know treats but like they call biscuits like there's so many of those I'm like yes I want that um because I I love jammy dodgers um big fan of those but like I really want a Jaffa cake yeah, I first heard of Jaffa Or like cakes. a custard cream. Like any of the little like biscuit things that they're like part of like tea. Like give yeah. it to me. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> yeah, I first heard of Jaffa Cakes through that show Spaced because that was like a kind of a small running gag throughout the whole series was them always eating Jaffa Cakes. So t- They just sound so tasty. Like an orange sponge. Like it sounds delicious. Yeah. Um, also like pretty much anything that they would make on the Great British Bake Off that they don't make in America. Um, like all of those cakes, all of those things that just like, I don't know, it makes it seem like it's totally normal for people to just eat like opera cakes yeah. <laughs> over in the UK. Um, <laughs> because I really adore Mary Berry. So like anything, she'd be like, oh, this is delicious. I'm on board. I want to eat it. It's not that I don't enjoy cooking or baking shows. Just it really makes me want it. And I know if I attempt it myself, it's, I, I don't care if it looks terrible, but Guaranteed, it's probably not going to taste anywhere near what their goal is to taste like. So true, but I think that's the beauty of GBBO is that you don't feel like you could make it. The yeah. show does a very good job of showing you how frustrating and exhausting it is to make these things. Mm-hmm. So I feel no motivation to make things after watching that show. I think that's why <laughs> I love it so much. Um, like, I'm like, oh, yes, this is best left to the experts. When I encounter this in the professional realm, I will eat it. Um, so, you know, I, that's that's my selling point of GBBO. And also, you get really attached to people, and they're so nice and supportive of each other. Like, that show is great. Oh, I don't cool. really like reality television. So if somebody wants to know my favorite reality show, Great British Bake Off. I, I recently started watching on YouTube. Um, every now and then I would watch... Uh, like if it just pop up under suggested videos or whatever, I would watch it. But now I'm actually subscribed <coughs> to the channel and watch it for um, meal ideas. And that's binging with Babish. Um, that dude is really good at making stuff. Um, and, you know, he even tells you like you can make it very complicated like I do, or you can just take this out and make it even much more simple. And yet it's still going to be damn good. And he also really makes me want a really good set of, like pans and pots because his are amazing at how good they are with cooking. It's just amazing. Yeah. I'm a good cook. I can't say I'm a good baker. Like today I made an angel food cake out of the box and it like, like two inches above the pan when it was done baking (laughs) and it tastes delicious. But why did that happen? Yeah. I don't know if I'm good at either. (laughs) I'm an okay baker. There are things I make really well, and I stick to those things. There's a reason I have Victoria with me. She she cooks. <laughs> she so does all the cooking. She does all the cooking. I do breakfast, but for the most part, I feel like who can't do breakfast? <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think breakfast is also a talent. I've I've recently, well, at least in my opinion, perfected making scrambled eggs, but also scrambled eggs the way we like them i'm sure other people will say that they're overcooked because they are not they're not like they're not brown but they're also not wet i know some people like wet scrambled eggs and i can't do it you no 
know what scrambled eggs. I, I'm <laughs> we tried feeding Veronica eggs for the first time last night. She's not into it. Oh no! <laughs> like as I say, feed baby scrambled eggs. Like she was like, "What? What are you doing to me right now?" <laughs> I've perfected getting it after it's just done being wet, but right before it's just about to get like overcooked. crispy. Yeah, I've I've perfected that middle ground. So I will pat myself. Yeah, on the see, I'd that. I'd enjoy your scrambled eggs. My husband would not. He likes his runny. Oh, I'm not runny necessarily, but just like, um, inconsistently cooked. Oh. Some's brown, oh, okay. some's runny, some's this. Like he, that's how he likes his eggs. Just haphazard. He like, but the thing is, he doesn't ever just eat the scrambled egg. He makes a, an egg sandwich, so his oh, okay. need to be a little wet to be like sticky to the toast. Oh, okay. So I'll so give like, him that. Like how Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs are. It almost just looks like cream that he's pouring out of the pot. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, if you're ever curious, look up how Gordon Ramsay, quote, makes the perfect scrambled eggs. Yeah, it's, I mean, like. I don't think I can because I'm still, like, I think probably like six months ago I saw how Gordon Ramsay makes a burger in a pot. And I'm still reeling from that because he used an entire stick of butter for one patty. Oh, my Lord. Jesus. Like, and, it, and to like, you know, and then he would, you know, cook it and then pour it over it and all the stuff. I'm like, listen, this is why you don't make a burger not on a grill. <laughs> yeah, he constantly moves his eggs so that way the curds stay really small, which is fine. But yeah, they're, like I said, I won't say they're runny, <coughs> but they're very, very creamy. I'll just say that. And I don't think I want creamy scrambled eggs. Like, he doesn't no, give them creepy. a chance to get fluffy. Yeah, no, they're not fluffy whatsoever. I don't even know how I feel about that right now. Like, I'm going to be thinking about this all night. <laughs> like I said, go watch a video where he makes them and <laughs> you'll see. Who knows? Maybe they will taste amazing because it's Gordon Ramsay. But just looking at them, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm out. I think I'll probably feel the same. <laughs> all right. So we're out of questions. We are out of questions. Um so I don't think you and I have an episode lined up yet, um, but I'm sure we will think of one soon um, because the past couple have been getting uh, very good feedback, which is awesome. Uh, I've been trying to do uh, some standalone episodes in between ours, just life and work has gotten in the way, so I haven't been able to, but I'm working on it, slowly but surely. Yeah, well... well- I'm going to keep bugging you to do your standalone episodes and we'll loop back when we've got an idea we're excited about for your regular contributor to pop in again. Yes. Uh, and then I'm surprised. I'm happy with myself because I finally came up with an episode idea, which was this one. And it's looking like it's going to be our longest one yet. So that's cool. Well, I hope everybody was entertained by our strange opinions. (laughs) I hope so too. (laughs) That they even care about them is just, makes me happy so that's fine with me all right yeah so i thank you for doing this with me and everyone for their questions and victoria's very tiny voice for reading them thanks i'm also gonna say one last message please don't be mad at me about misery i promise i will get back around to reading it i have not dismissed it i don't think it's terrible don't hate me (laughs) yes you do need to read it because it i'm assuming you've seen the movie yeah okay it's yeah that's all I can really say is that it it does get really good just like the movie is. So, 
I believe you, and I know I'll get there. Again, curse of a mood reader. When the mood breaks, you can't keep going. Yes. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Ugh, <laughs> story of my life. Well, I guess until next time, thank you again. Absolutely. And see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>